Purple Misery, Episode 9. your host for the show opening things up with a little bit different a little bit different music here this week with a uh, with lovely day by Bill Withers obviously Sunday was a very lovely day for the Minnesota Vikings as they crushed the Oakland Raiders 34 to 14 at home it was a very good win for the team Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that today as well as uh, some recent news that has come out really in the past probably like six hours or so here. Uh, First off, I did want to apologize for uh, this episode being a day late. Normally I try to get them out on Monday, but I was traveling all weekend with my wife. We were out of town for our anniversary. Um, Got in uh, Sunday evening, kind of watched the game, and then yesterday was just getting caught up with a lot of kind of life stuff. So getting this out here today, it is uh, Tuesday, September 24th. And... um, yeah, just wanted to kind of jump into the the whole Vikings Raiders game and how that turned out on Sunday. Obviously, it turned out very well for the team. It was a much needed win that they needed after the the rather disappointing loss at Green Bay. They had a very nice bounce back win. Um, I'll start off talking about some positives here that I saw in the game. Uh, first thing, I think a lot of people kind of went into this afraid that it was going to be a lot like the the Buffalo game in week three last year and really kind of an odd way, uh, odd, odd thing or odd way that the Vikings schedule kind of, you know, shaped up this year. It almost kind of mirrors last year where, you know, we had a good home win to, to uh, kick off the season. And then we went on the road to green Bay. Obviously we tied last year. We lost this year. And I think, you know, last year going into that Buffalo game, the Vikings were favored by like 17 or 19 points. It was something just ridiculous. And obviously, they ended up laying an egg and losing at home to the Bills. And there was a lot of grumblings on Twitter and the internets and and everywhere where people were thinking, hey, is this going to be another another trap game? Is this going to be another Bills uh, fiasco? Obviously, it wasn't. The Vikings jumped out to a good lead in the first half. I think they were up 21-0 uh, by the end of the first half and finished 30 with 34 points uh, to Raiders uh, or to the Raiders 14. So it was very good to see them kind of bounce back and not take things lightly. Um, 
I think that really kind of speaks to the tenacity of this team and just kind of how seriously they're taking things this season. I think last season they, I don't know, they kind of got, I think, a little complacent and I think they kind of maybe bought into the hype around them where everyone was saying, well, yep, they're going to the Super Bowl. They signed Cousins. They got Sheldon Richardson. All the pieces are there. This is just a gimme. They're going to go there. This season, I think they take it. They don't take these kinds of things for granted. They don't take, you know, a, a game against the Raiders or a game against uh, any team with a losing record or a team that where they're favored by a, a wide margin. Um, they're not taking that lightly, and they're obviously playing to win. The biggest resurgence that we're seeing so far, and this was again very evident in the uh, in the Raiders game, is the return of the running game. You know, the first two games of the season, we saw strong performances by Dalvin Cook and and really, you know, decent performances by uh, Alexander Madison. Uh, Sunday was no different. Dalvin Cook ended up getting, uh, it was about two, I'm sorry, 110 yards rushing. Um, and then the remaining backs, Madison, Boone, and Abdullah split the remaining 101 yards. Alexander Madison got a, a rather impressive touchdown, his first NFL a regular season touchdown, uh, a leap from roughly the five-yard line into the end zone. It was a great play. It was a lot of fun to watch. It was great to see, you know, obviously this run game clicking, which Mike Zimmer obviously wants. And it's also, uh, it's just good to see the team really rallying behind Cook, and he and he's really supporting them. It's great to see every time he goes down and he scores a touchdown, he gets his offensive line back. He, he kind of rounds him up in the end zone, hands the ball off to one of them, and lets him spike it. He's all about sharing that glory, and that's a, that's a really awesome thing to see. It's, it really speaks to his character and really kind of the, I guess, the the relationships that these players have on this team. It, it's, a, it's a pretty close-knit group, you can tell, and that's something that's really cool to see. Uh, another good point, Irv Smith. You know, I think a lot of people, when they drafted him, thought that this would spell the end for Kyle Rudolph. Obviously, that hasn't been the case when they re-signed Kyle Rudolph and extended him. Uh, both he and Kyle Rudolph have been, have been performing incredibly well as run blockers so far this year. But Sunday was actually seeing Irv Smith. It was kind of his coming out party where he had three catches for 60 yards. Probably would have had closer to 100 yards if uh, one of his catches didn't get called back due to a rather boneheaded penalty. I think that was the one that was called on Chad Beebe. It was it was one of the another game here where the officials are just calling strange penalties or really kind of ticky-tack BS. Um but it was great to see him come out and make some plays. I think we're starting to really see what kind of player he can be. Obviously, he's valued in the run game. He's blocking really well, but now he's showing his abilities as a, as a tight end as a, and as a possible kind of wide receiver 3. Um, and that kind of ties into, obviously, you know, Chad Beebe went out with a, an injury, ended up being some torn ligaments in his ankle. Um, when wide receiver, de- uh, wide receiver depth is obviously an issue for the Vikings, um, seeing Irv Smith step up and make these plays is a good reassurance that they do have that option there um, with their lack of depth at wide receiver. So great to see that. Eric Kendricks, he's playing out of his friggin' mind right now. Obviously, with Barr being out, they brought in Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson played every single defensive snap of the game, which was just incredible. Had a lot of tackles, but Eric Kendricks was just playing out of his mind. He ended up having six tackles, seven assists, 
was a huge run stopper. And I believe there was this great stop. I think it was on like fourth and one late in the game. Uh, both Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks came in to stop the run, completely shut them down. And, you know, I tweeted this out. There's this great, you know, kind of gif or you know, video of them laying there, just looking at each other, shaking, shaking their heads like, nope, we stop him. You didn't get anything. It was a, it was a great play. It was awesome to see. You're really seeing kind of the camaraderie that's being built around this team. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, The defense, this was an interesting stat that I saw late in the game. Um, Our defense has only allowed or has never allowed, I should say, more than 100 receiving yards by a single player since U.S. Bank Stadium opened until Sunday when uh, the Oakland Raiders tight end, uh, I think he ended up going just over 100 yards receiving, but really in you know almost three years of existence, no single receiver has had a game with over 100 yards at U.S. Bank Stadium. It's a that was really really cool to see. Uh, that was a really neat stat. Really goes to show you just how big home field advantage is to this team. Um, and it looks like the defense has actually improved to only allowing a score of any kind on only 18.2 percent of drives. That's a huge thing. Right now they lead the league. And keep in mind that that's actually kind of a that's even kind of flawed because. Both the Falcons and the Raiders did get some garbage time points. Um, I know the Raiders, they did get that flea flicker touchdown. That wasn't a garbage time touchdown, but that second touchdown, so seven points there. Um, And really, both of Atlanta's touchdowns, those 12 points that they scored, were kind of garbage time, you know, touchdowns and points. Um, That's affecting that. Um, To give you a little bit of perspective, uh, last year, the best defense in the league, the Bears, finished the season at allowing uh, allowing points to be scored on only 28.6% of drives. Now, keep this in mind that the Vikings right now are at 18.2%. That would probably be much lower if Mike Zimmer would just be a little more aggressive on defense late in the game. I know everyone hates the prevent defense. I hate it. But at the same time, I get it. You know, you do run some risks when you're trying to play that aggressively late in the game where uh, someone can get hurt, uh, you know, all kinds of wonky things happen. That's why you run a prevent defense. It would be great to see them be a little more aggressive and really get that stat down because I think that would be an awesome thing to see at this end of the season. And with the way this defense is playing this year, I think they're going to be number one rated again, um, especially once they get, once Mike Hughes is back and he's 100%, uh, Holton Hill coming back, um, a number of those pieces kind of falling into place. This defense is only going to get better, which should be a pretty scary prospect for the rest of this league. Um, Another little positive that came out, Mike Hughes. He ended up playing about 30 snaps, I believe it was. Um, Looked a little rusty in some areas, but um, also had a couple of um, good coverages and a couple of good tackles. Again, he's working his way back, but it was good to see him out there and good to see him, you know, playing reasonably well. Uh, It'll be great once they get him back permanently and especially Holton Hill. Uh, and this will kind of lead in a little bit of news later, but one of our old friends, a cornerback and, and punt returner, is back with the team. Now, on to a few negative things for the, the game. Uh, Josh Klein went out in the third quarter. It looked like he was kicked in the head. Uh, went out with a concussion, so he's in concussion proto, uh, protocol. 
It'll be kind of interesting to see what happens with him this week because right now he's probably been their number one rated lineman. And he's been playing very, very well, uh, has done very well in this scheme. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens, though, if he can't play. I think there's some speculation that uh, the fourth round uh, draft pick in this year's draft, Drew Samia, would come in in place of him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Drew Samia will be active on Sunday if Klein doesn't start, but it will most likely be Rashad Hill starting at, at uh, right guard um, against the Bears. But it'll also be kind of cool to see. I, I'm sure Drew Samia will get some some reps. He'll obviously have a huge test against that Bears uh, front seven. They looked like an absolute nightmare last night against the Redskins. Um, a very, very intimidating defense. Um, but we'll see kind of what happens with that. Probably won't know until Friday or so whether or not Josh Klein will be uh, active against the Bears. And then... <coughs> And then, as I mentioned, um, Chad Beebe uh, ended up muffing a punt. Wasn't good. He, he dropped it. Chris Boyd came in and covered uh, or recovered it. And then he ended up going out with an ankle injury. Uh, they put him on IR today and re-signed Laquan Treadwell. Um, I'll get to that in a little bit here. But Laquan Treadwell is back with the team. Uh, another little negative on the day, penalties. Um, it's kind of tough to say what to make make of them. You know, they had six penalties for 59 yards. It's an improvement over weeks one and two um, when I think the Vikings had over 100 yards in penalties. You know, you got to remember, there's a lot of rookies on this team. They're going to make some mistakes. And just also the officiating this year, it seems like they're calling every little thing that happens. And I hope that changes over the year because it's really bogging this. It's really bogging games down. Fans are getting tired of it. I'm tired of it. They got to figure something out with it. Um, but it was a little bit of an improvement, but still, you know, came at some inopportune times for the for the Vikings. Like I said, there was that one great play by Irv Smith. I think he had about 30 or 40 yards on that catch and, and run. Unfortunately, it got called back to a, uh, a rather, you know, stupid penalty on Chad Beebe. So uh, moving on to a couple little, you know, news and uh, news and tidbits and things like that. Obviously, with uh, Chad Beebe being out, they announced today that he had some torn ligaments in his ankle. They weren't sure in the timeline, but they did put him on IR, which means he has to be out for at least eight games. And with that being said, they brought back Laquan Treadwell. It's kind of funny. I'm watching this on Twitter. A lot of people were scratching their heads wondering, why would you do that? You know, why would you bring back Laquan? Here's the thing. Laquan did not play up to his first round status. Everyone gets that. The guy was donkey poo. All right. For a first rounder. He did not. He has not had a good career thus far, but he knows our system. He's familiar with the team. He's a plug and play kind of guy. We can just put him out there. Apparently he he's done pretty well as a run blocker and has done decently on special teams. So that's really the most you can expect out of like uh, kind of a, a pick-me-up wide receiver. Um, I don't think fans should be that down on Laquan Treadwell this signing. I think it's, you know, considering what's out there, um, you know, oddly enough, Des Bryant is still available. I believe he's still coming back maybe from an Achilles. Uh, he tore his Achilles when he signed with the Saints last year. Uh, but obviously he's not playing for any team. It's kind of odd to see players like him out there and available. But any other player that we would have 
would have uh, signed or brought in would have taken, you know, a week or two to kind of get familiar with things. And being able to bring in Laquan Treadwell allows the Vikings to basically uh, put him in the game and at least contribute in some manner against the Bears. Obviously, they're going to need as many good blockers if they want to establish that running game in Chicago uh, this coming Sunday. So, like I said, I like it. I like it. I don't think it's... uh, I don't think it's a bad signing. I think considering their options, uh, the Vikings could have done a lot worse. So, you know, I kind of want to finish uh, today's show off talking a little bit about um, the rest of the NFC North. And one thing, I'm sorry, before I get into this, I forgot to mention the Vikings did bring back Marcus Sherrills, our all-time, uh, uh, he holds the record for the most punt re- uh, punt returns for touchdowns for the Vikings uh, the Saints did release him um, at the end of their uh, preseason. They released him and gave him an injury settlement. Apparently, he had some kind of hamstring injury, but he's fully recovered. He's going to be back with the team. He's going to be t- returning punts now that Chad Beebe is out. I think it's awesome. I'm hoping to see him take one to the house on Sunday against the Bears. And what's more is he can also play cornerback. He is technically a cornerback. Um, he's not a great one. But he's better than Nate uh, Meters or Metters. He really is kind of their, you know, he's a good plug and play guy, just like Laquan Treadwell. And obviously, I think he's going to contribute a lot more in that uh, kick uh, kick return game as a special teamer. So it's great to see him back. I know a lot of fans are excited about it. So, anyways, uh, I want to look at the rest of the NFC North and kind of how things were looking here for um, the remainder of the season. I think there's some there's some surprises. Uh, in terms of the NFC North, right now probably the biggest one is seeing the Lions at 2-0-1. Um, they have beaten, you know, they they had that ugly tie to the Cardinals in Week 1, but they've beaten a couple of pretty decent teams. They beat the Chargers at home, and they went to Philly and beat the Eagles, albeit the Eagles were down a couple wide receivers. But, I mean, hey, a win in Philly is a win in Philly, so you got to tip your cap to them. They seem to be playing pretty well, and everything that I'm hearing is that they actually have been coming together as a team and really, um, uh, really playing well. There's a good atmosphere in the in the locker room, and um, the team really seems to be kind of gelling. So I think they're going to be kind of a, a sneaky, dangerous team. But um, you know, kind of looking forward into our schedule after seeing the way the Seahawks and the Chargers have played, I'm starting to not be as afraid of them. I think when people looked at the schedule when it was released earlier this year and they saw, I think it's like a week 12, it's like the first Monday in December, Vikings are coming off a bye, they're playing in Seattle again, Um, everyone kind of chalked it up and said, yep, that's going to be a loss, and then a week or two later, they go to uh, Los Angeles and play the Chargers, and they said, yep, that'll probably be a loss. Uh, I don't think so anymore. The Seahawks have struggled against Cincinnati, against a bad Cincinnati team, in a bad Steelers team, and they end up getting beat by uh, the Saints, which obviously the Saints are good, but they were playing in Seattle, and the Saints were playing with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, not a real big surprise that the Saints beat them, but that they beat them by such a wide margin. I think it was like a 15 or maybe 18-point margin. It was pretty surprising to see. So those two teams, I'm all of a sudden thinking that, hey, those could be those could be wins on the schedule, and this could really kind of help boost the Vikings eventually later in the year. 
Um, I had them going about 13 and three. Heck, it might be 14 and two now. But, you know, the NFL is a, is a weird uh, football is a weird game. The NFL is a weird league. Things can change any given Sunday. We all know that. So um, next episode, uh, next episode will be this coming Thursday. I'll be doing a little bit of preview, um, kind of looking out at the upcoming Chicago game. I personally think this is probably going to be a turning point game for the Vikings this season. They need this win. Um, they don't want to be 0-2 in the division. And um, if they can if they can beat the Bears in Chicago, I think that's a good statement. That's a good feather in their cap. That's going to give them some good confidence going into kind of the, the second quarter of the season. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll preview that on my next episode, which should be coming out Thursday. Um, until then, I encourage you to go to my website, purplemisery.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at purplemisery, all one word, at purplemisery. Check that out. Other than that, have a good week, and Skull Vikings. Just one look at you, and I know it's going to be fun.